you know, we're big believers in uh, you, you're, you, you build your culture and your workforce makeup with every hire that you make yeah. uh, and, and how, you, how you attract the, the various talent segments, right, um, in a, at a more relevant level is, is absolutely critical to the, the quality of the talent that you're going to build over time as well, right? So we're true believers in, in how, you, how you attract the right kind of talent in, in a very inclusive way. Will you really yield the results uh, to you in terms of your entire workforce makeup over time? Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Hacking HR Podcast. I am really excited to have a conversation today about what well, a lot of very strategic areas in the HR space, particularly areas that have to do with employee experience, with succession planning, if we have the time to talk about that, uh, inclusive job postings, and you know who knows where else our conversation is going to be guiding us today. So very happy to welcome Amey, who is the CEO and co-founder of Clickify, and they are on a mission to make job postings inclusive to gender, but also across the entire talent spectrum, races, ethnicities, countries, and whatnot. So Amit, welcome to the show, man. How are you? Good, Enrique. Thank you. I'm excited to be here and uh, excited to share uh, what, we're, what we're working on and my, our experiences with the audience. Well, thank you so much. I know you've, you've had a long career in HR and, uh, and the topic of diversity, equity, and inclusion is close to your heart. Uh, and that's why you well, created Typify. And I want to start by asking you, uh, you know, how, how important has it been to bring the topic of diversity, inclusion, and equity in the hiring process for companies? I'm not just talking about culture, culturally for a company, but in the hiring process for a company. Yeah, yeah, Enrique. So really, I think I think you're you know we're big believers in uh, you you're, you you build your culture and your workforce makeup with every hire that you make, yeah. uh, and how you how you attract the the various talent segments right um, in a, at a more relevant level is is absolutely critical to the the quality of the talent that you're going to build over time as well, right? So. We're true believers in in how you how you attract the right kind of talent in, in a very inclusive way. Will you really yield the results uh, to you in terms of your entire workforce makeup over time? Absolutely. You know, wh- one thing that ha- happens often is that the you know companies want to build you know their their entire diversity, equity, and inclusion practice across the entire employee cycle. But very often they, they focus pretty pretty strongly on the, the top of the funnel, which is the hiring process. Then you bring people, diverse talent, and once they get into the company, they find that, wow, this is not really diverse, right? I mean, um, it's either you know a, a male-oriented culture or a white male-oriented culture, or even if it was gender and ethnicity and sexual identity diverse, then you find that it's not creatively diverse. So how do you manage, you know, how do you manage that gap that exists between saying that you want to bring a diverse workforce, but also building a culture that retains them for the long run? Yeah, yeah, it's such a such a 
uh, spot on comment, right? Enrique and the thought process, right? So I think it starts with being real with, with the candidates, right? And saying, look, hey, you know, we're, we're working towards building a more inclusive uh, workforce. Uh, we have opportunities to improve in these areas. So you're managing expectations up front uh, during the hiring process with, with the candidates, um, as well as really putting in some, some architecting, if you will, really open and inclusive environments for all kinds of people, right? Um, you know, I'm actually not a big fan of ERGs because I, I believe it actually it works against the, the inclusive nature of what you're trying to build, right? Uh, I'm sure there, you know, there are a lot of studies that, uh, that are for it. A lot of people believe in it, which is great. But me personally, and, and as we're architecting a more inclusive environment, it, it's, it's gotta be real. Uh, you know, you have to understand the real issues um, that are going on in organizations uh, and really recognize that, hey, we, we may or may not have a problem here, right? Uh, and and the, to the extent you are actually very real with your people when you're talking with candidates, uh, that's when I've seen kind of the, the reality um, uh, that's, that's really aligned with when they actually join the company, right? Because it's not like we're selling something different than what the reality is. Right. Yeah, I, 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 love, I love that because then, I mean, if you don't do it as a company, then of course, what could happen is that this person that you're hiring, it took you two, three months to bring that person on board. It cost you X amount of money to bring them on board only for them to find what the heck is going on here. I mean, this company is not what they say they were. Um, or they are at a different stage than I thought they, they were in terms of building their you know, this, this diversity, inclusion, and equity philosophy or, or, or practice within the company. So I think being, uh, you know, spot on when you say, you know, be, be, be clear with the people that you're going to be bringing. I mean, if you if you know that in your board, you got 95% of your people are white male, you know, uh, 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 board members, just tell to your people, you know, when you're hiring them, hey, we know that this is not the right thing that, you know, to do right now, we are working towards you know, more diversity equity inclusion is going to take us the next couple of years to, you know, to achieve some goals, but that's the direction in which we're going. And then you set up the, the environment for, for people to say, I want to work here or, or not, right? And that, that's fine. Yeah, exactly, Enrique. And, you know, many, many times it's um, the candidates you want to attract are, are people who want to bring that change, right? Yeah. Uh, and see that change. And so many times uh, the messaging is, hey, we, we need you to be part of the, the change we want to bring. And many times the, the candidates who end up becoming your hires uh, end up championing a lot of the, the inclusive efforts that you're trying to build as well. Right? Absolutely. You know, there was, um, I, read, I read the book From Good to Great by Jim Collins, you know, years ago. And I never forget Jim Collins saying in the book, I mean, your people, when they come to work the first day, they are inspired, they are motivated, they are energized, you know, to bring their, their full self and to change the world, you know, in that role. I mean, your job is not, you know, turn around and, and, and be motivated, right? But, you know, from what you're saying, you, you find people wanting to come and say, I understand that your voice, you know, white, white people, white men, or it's only men, and you want to work on this, I have these ideas, but then you clash with a culture that is so stiff that it, it wouldn't change. So I think that, that's, that's quite a challenge, right? I mean, when, when, when mm -hmm. people bring that energy to champion change, but then they find that, man, the inertia in these companies, just, it's just so strong. 
Yeah, you know, and, and it's, you know, it, especially if a company is, you know, let's say over 25 years old, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, you, you get you get into these, you know, urban legends around the, the way things are done around here, right? Yeah. And, you know, the, the biggest, you know, advice I would have for for talent is to be able to identify, you know, your, your boss, of course, right, uh, is, is a critical asset uh, in the process around how you integrate with the culture and, and how you manage to change the culture. Uh, but also your peers and, you know, you have to as a as a new newly joined associate really have to identify, you know, who are who are those people who are actually going to, you know, help you transform the company's culture, right? Yeah. Uh, who are your allies uh, internally as well? So I think that's absolutely critical to do. Uh, you know, I, I call them antibodies, right? Uh, right. When you when you join when you join a company, uh, you have a certain set of expectations uh, for that employer, uh, the culture, and then it, inevitably you run into differences, right? Yeah. And that in itself is actually uh, very. Um, you know, telling in, in, the, in the sense that how open a, a particular culture is to change, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and yeah, I mean, ultimately, you know, there is no silver bullet or the right answer, but the environment that you create uh, has to be of, of, of one that actually understands and manages the differences, right? Let me ask you something, you know, now that you are discussing about that, I know one topic that we, we have here, we have here in the radar to, to discuss about is workforce friendly, right? You know, some, some somewhat workforce planning. You know, if if you if you are as an HR leader working on workforce planning, if you are aware of you know the cultural nuances of your company, you will be able to say, you know what, for the next one year, we're trying to change the way our board looks like, but that most likely mean that it will probably be a little more difficult for us to attract diverse talent that see that and they may not want to work for a company like that. And then you start including all these nuances in your workforce strategy to know what kind of people you can attract, but how they may either, uh, you know, uh, contribute to keeping that culture the way it is or challenging it to change. So, you know, how do we do, how do we include all these factors uh, in, in a workforce strategy that makes sense, uh, you know, uh, taking all these cultural variables in the company? Yeah, look, uh, Enrique, so, uh, you know, many companies, organizations have kind of a top-down culture, right? So yeah. to your point, um, and many, many companies have a grassroots up, right, kind of culture, right? But you kind of have a pretty good feel if you're in the HR organization, uh, you know, whether you're a top-down culture or egalitarian culture. Um, uh, and so it does start at the top uh, in many organizations. How you look and act. So you know, I'm a big believer in role model leadership, yeah. right? So uh, it's really about the the examples that you set uh, as a leader, not just at the top, at the board level, or at the at the C level in the company, but really for every leader. If you're a people leader or a project manager, right? You're leading teams. Yeah. Uh, what what is the what is the tone that you're setting? Uh, because you know, the your new hires will actually learn that pretty quickly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and so I think it frankly just boils down to uh, the frontline leaders and, and, and the behaviors that you incentivize and the behaviors that you actually penalize. Right. Yeah. 
yeah. uh, to be able to change that culture. And, uh, you know, that's such an important uh, area that from an HR perspective that you continue to kind of drive to, right? And, yeah. and culture itself is very nebulous, right? You ask 10 people in the same company, they'll define <laughs> the culture in a different way, right? Yeah. So I think you got to start with, okay, well, how, what, what is the culture? What is the culture today? And then how do you want to architect the culture of the future based on the behaviors that you want to incentivize and the behaviors that you just absolutely don't want in the company? Yeah, and, and that also helps you uh, with workforce strategy from the perspective of, you know, we know that our culture will be, you know, uh, will be reshaped every time that we bring somebody here, especially if we bring somebody for a leadership position. And, um, you know, how much of ourselves uh, as a company we want to change, where do we want to go, and that that definitely helps decide the kind of people that you want to bring in because you I mean, you don't want to bring people that necessarily fully adapt to every nuance of your culture, but there are some areas where, um, you know, it, there are some things where you say, you know, this this core to our culture, you know, we're willing to change all of these areas, but this one piece is 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 core to our culture. And for some people, you, you know, some people like hierarchies, which is surprising, by the way, but there are some people who like hierarchical approach and the approach of like, tell me what to do, and that's what I'm going to do. Hey, you know, maybe you are the kind of culture where, where, where you are expecting your people to decide how they want to work. And for, for those who like hierarchy and control, maybe that's not the right culture. So you got to right. decide, you know, that upfront, up right? And, and you talked about communication at the beginning um, and communicating with them about this. Yeah, and it varies, right? As you know, Enrique, right? You growing up in Latin America, me growing up in Asia Pacific it actually varies based on the country that you're in as well, right? So you yeah. might have this global architecture of the culture you wanna build as a company, whether you're US based or based in Japan yeah. or, or, or based in India or Brazil or Venezuela, right? Uh, it really is the, it's a 70-30 rule, right? These are the 70%, this is kind of the 70% of the, the culture we wanna build for consistency around the world, yeah. right? And the experience. Um, but the other 30% is really the nuances within the country that you operate in as well. Yeah, yeah. And that, you know, you can be absolutely flexible with that because that wouldn't change your, um, you know, your true self as an organization. I mean, those are the things that you have to adapt because, well, people from different regions are different and they, they behave differently, you know, depending on the circumstances. Um, but it doesn't mean that, we, that, they, that those changes would necessarily change who you truly feel you are as an organization. So um, this is awesome, I mean, So let me ask you this question to, to wrap up our conversation. Um, mm -hmm. if, if, if there was one place where you would tell HR leaders, this is the one place where you have to start thinking about workforce strategy that considers diversity, equity, and inclusion at the bottom of the funnel, uh, but also down the road through throughout the entire employee cycle. You know, this is how you think about it. What would be that one first sort of step, uh, if we can put it that way? Yeah, look, I, I think, you know, I think it boils down to how well do you know the pulse of the organization and the way it works, right? Uh, engagement surveys are great. Uh, they do tell a story, but ultimately it's really about if, if you're a great leader, are you going out? you know, are you visiting the different, you know, locations, the countries, of course, you know, COVID put a stop to that a little bit, but, you know, as we move into the, the new world uh, post-COVID, I still believe that the, the great HR leaders out there 
have to keep a pulse on on kind of the front lines, right? Once you know that, then you can you then you're better informed about very pragmatic solutions that you can bring back around the workforce strategy, not only from an inclusion perspective, but really around how do you create that experience, right? Where are the roadblocks uh, in that experience chain for your candidates as well as for your employees? Yeah, absolutely, and and, and it goes back to two very critical. Uh, you know, skills, whatever we want to call them, uh, needed for the leaders of the future in HR and everywhere else, which are, you know, uh, empathy and curiosity. It is just making sure that you're having these conversations and empathetically listening to people and asking the, the questions that you ask in order to do what you need to do to make sure that they feel included, that the culture is right and, and whatnot. So, um, I mean, thank you so much for spending this time with me. Great conversation. Yeah, thank you, Enrique. I appreciate your time as well. Thank you. And thank you, everybody. Stay tuned for the next episode of the Hacking Nature Podcast. See you all soon. Thank you, everybody, for watching or listening to this podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. Please follow us on our social media and subscribe to our newsletter so that you can stay informed of all the things that we're putting together for you from the Hacking Nature community. Thank you so much. Please continue to stay safe, stay well, stay strong, and we will see you soon.